I preach it up to chapter 4, verse 9. And the focus is that you know, the law has to be abolished because we are now entering into the seasons of grace. But the church in Galatia, they are foolish because they are going to, they are about to go back to the, the period of the law again. So what is the core of the exclusivism in Galatia? It is that you know, they are saved by grace, but they have to perfect their salvation by the works of the law. Maybe you will think that this is so foolish, this sounds so foolish, you know. But the thing is that it's the same thing that the churches in this age are you know, doing you know, by mistake as well. So you are saved by the greatest grace of God you know, and being excited about the grace, but because their spiritual nature is unchanged still, they are going back to the works of the law again quite soon you know, to live by their own strengths. That is why they cannot maintain the excitement of salvation, but they try to put their effort, the human effort, to carry on their life, They're doing something by themselves. In that sense, we can say that all the churches in the age, this age, they are you know, accepting exclusivism as well. They are saved by grace, but they want to finish their salvation by the works of the law, which is foolish. So Paul is saying to this symptom that he's criticizing that you have begun with the spirit, but you are now finishing it with the flesh. If you are saved in a normal way, that is impossible. So for all saints in the early churches, you know, they had to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has been filled with the Holy Spirit four times. And number four means that it is entire, it's perfection. So that is why the book of Revelation you know, describes the wind flows from you know, the four sides, four corners. So four stand for the entirety, entireness. So the four times of the Holy, fullness of the Holy Spirit means that Jesus was maintaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit throughout his life. And it's not that it's difficult to maintain the Holy Spirit, but you, know, you cannot do that because you don't live by the Holy Spirit. If you continue to welcome the Holy Spirit, receiving Him and directing yourself toward God, and then it's easy for you to maintain the Holy Spirit. And if your fullness of the Holy Spirit you know, goes on, and then you will see that the element of the nuclear wreck of the gospel is going to be, they are going to be realized in here. So, which means that the new person will be flourishing in you that is even more difficult.
difficult for you not to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's going to be torturous for you not to live by faith, and it's going to be done to you in the, in the, at the some moment of time. So for me, I have been maintaining the fullness of the Holy Spirit at least for one year after my conversion. You know, you know every day in a year. So I was working at the time in a company. So when I feel the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and then you know, I you know went out of the office, you know, and I went into the car, and then I, I prayed in tongue very strongly, because that's the place you know, where I can pray only. So and I was you know, crying out with a lot of tears. So that's how I lived with God for one year after my conversion. So. By, after one year, the fullness of the Holy Spirit becomes has become my you know, character. So let's say you are charging your mobile phone every day, but if you you know are uh, you, if you personify you know, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, it it is like you know you don't you know charge your battery, but you are connected to the outlet that you can receive the electricity you know anytime. So the fullness of the Holy Spirit Spirit is that if you pour you know, the water into the cup and then the water will flow out of the cups. But the thing that that you know you are you know you personify you know the fullness of the Holy Spirit is that you are just throwing the cup into water. So there will be a time that you can personify the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So please don't be deceived you know, to think that you know, it's difficult for you to maintain the Holy Spirit. That's something impossible. No. But the thing is that you don't welcome Holy Spirit every time and every moment. You don't desire the Holy Spirit in every time that you know, the nature of the old person is reviving in you. That, that's the only reason that you cannot maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So as you are living with the Holy Spirit, and then you, know, you will feel difficult if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's difficult for you to not to live by faith. There will be a time, you know, certainly, you know, ultimately, you know, for you. And the Bible doesn't say about the life uh, except for the life you know, with the Holy Spirit. So the Bible for the saint, it describes the life filled with the Holy Spirit for the saint. So what the Bible describes the life with the Holy Spirit, you know, by faith. What I mean is that the Bible is not interested in the life that is not filled, or filled with the Holy Spirit. So please listen carefully. The Bible doesn't say about the lukewarm life and then you will go up to heaven you know, you know, for some day. So 
No, his only interest is about the fullness of the Holy Spirit, living in the glory of God, that they will finally you know, lift it up to the kingdom of God in a glorious way. So if not, if not, what happens you know, to those who are not filled with the Holy Spirit? And that is not something you know, the Bible you know, focuses on, that we cannot even you know, explain everything. But you know, if you, you know, speak in human way, Maybe you can say that this person is uh, might be saved, you know, to comfort to comfort each other. But there's no promise to the person like that. Yes, what I mean is that we cannot, you know, conclude whether you know, he or she will be able to stand before you know, the glorious God. So only promise that Bible speaks is about the the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you know, the one who lives with God in glory, filled with their face, and that is the the promise that Bible gives to. You know, to, to. So you know, the life. So fundamentally speaking, now outside the beside the life of the Holy Spirit, you know, Bible doesn't you know focus on, and it is not interested in that kind of life. But you know, when you maintain your spiritual life, you cannot even imagine about you know the life you know that is not filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes people you know, they are angry, they fall into despair, and they compare themselves with others, and they are judging each other. So that is why we cannot say that you know those kind of lifestyle is uh, the the life of the, the the sons of God. You know that is not how Christians are living for. So it's natural that you know the Bible doesn't focus on that sort of lifestyle. You no, know, Bible only focuses on the life you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, and that should be their character. And then that's why you know the Bible. Focuses on this uh, sort of life as the best of the best for the saints that it's natural for the saint to be filled with the Holy Spirit filled with the, the faith in God and maintaining the relationship of righteousness so if you are separated from God and then you will not be able to enjoy the dignity that God has given to you so your dignity is available to you when you are in the right relationship with God so that's why you have to preach it to your saints in the same way. You know, fundamentally, the saints should be filled with the Holy Spirit always. It's not that they can experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit only in some special conference, but every day, every time, every moment, they should be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? That is a life that the Bible focuses on fundamentally. So it's strange to the Bible that if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, but filled with the Holy Spirit is not something very strange, but it's normal and it's healthy, right? So you have to understand what kind of deception do you, you have in your mind. 
and I can say that all these deceptions are from the flow of the, the spirit of religion. We are under dominion of God, right? The dominion of God means that, you know, God, the spirit of the God is now working in you. You don't live on your own. You don't live by your own experience, but the Spirit is working in me. He is working in me and He's leading me. Like you know, in Galatians 5, though I do not touch chapter 5 of Galatians, but um, Paul is, is describing three sorts of you know, lifestyle that is filled with the uh, Holy Spirit. So the first one is that you have to walk with the Holy Spirit. So in order that you can you know, walk with the Holy Spirit, you should not have your own strength. And the second thing is that you should be led by the Holy Spirit. You have to go wherever He leads. And then mean, that means you, know, you shouldn't have your own intention. And the third thing is that, you know, you have to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, which means that, you know, step by step, you know, you have to be sensitive toward Him, that you are acknowledging Him every day and every moment. So, the saint's life is only meaningful when they are with the Holy Spirit. So if you have your own strength, you cannot walk with the Spirit. By your experience, by your own decision, you cannot be led by the Holy Spirit. If you are sensitive to people and the world, not to the Holy Spirit, if you focus on those matters, you cannot keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So we have to walk with the Holy Spirit. And for that purpose, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm promising to you that there will be a time that you will be you know, easily uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. And especially, we are entering into the, the special season that God is raising you know, the people of God up you know, in that way that you know, everyone called, they are you know, perfecting their you know, glorification you know, quite quickly. And that is something that I can observe from my church as well. And the Bible speaks about glorification. If you don't have the model of glorification, you know, that's not possible. And the people will doubt about the teachings of the Bible. Of course, you know, they are saying that, you know, the Bible speaks about that, but that is not reality. And the spirit religion tries to deceive you that the glorification is something that you will experience after death. No, this is predestination of God that you will be achieve, able to achieve that glorification. You know, while you are alive. So for the early churches, they have a lot of models of glorification that they have not doubted about the promise. But you know, in the same way, God is almighty God, but you know, there's no miracles and signs and wonders in the church. You know, there, you know, many churches are excusing that the thing that happened in the book of Acts is something that you know, only restricted to that period. And then they are saying that God is you know, powerless and he's no more that the church you know, should not have any miracle you know, in, this special, in this age. No, it's not true you know, the church should experience miracles and signs and signs and wonder every day. You know, that is something I can see from my church. You know, I'm not of course intending this, you know. 
but sometimes you know, I counted the miracles and wonders that God has done through me in a week, you know, how many times. So you know, it's normal for me to experience you know, signs and wonders you know, several times, even in a day. You know, the broken bones are healed and various sorts of illness are healed you know, because I am in the church of God. So in a natural world, in a physical world, they say that it's miracle, but in the kingdom of God, it's normal. It's normal to live in the way. So what we need is just to live normally in the kingdom of God, which is the fullness of the Holy Spirit, right? So you have to feel that the Holy Spirit is now, even now, is leading you and working in you. So let's finish chapter 4 tonight. So verse 10. You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. After salvation, they still try to perfect their salvation by the works of the law. So Paul says that in verse 11, I fear for you that somehow I've waste, wasted my effort on you. It's not that you know, Paul has worked you know, on his effort but by separate, but you know, you know, by the, the gospel of the cross, you know, they established the truth in the church. But you know, if Galatians is being led in the way, the grace of God will be nullified. So the church should be afraid of being separate from the grace of of God. So, if your church can receive grace continuously, then I can say that the church is health. You know, if the saints are under grace, it is natural for them to obey continuously. If they see the glory of God in grace, it's natural for them to offer their life. So, you have to, you know, make sure that the grace of God is coming to the church, you know, flowing to the church every day. So, verse 12 is kind of the personal testimony of Paul, and it describes when Paul was able to maintain the relationship of grace with the saints in Galatia. So, without grace, you know, pastors cannot make a good relationship with the saints and they don't respect you any longer, you know, if without grace. It can happen, right? So it's important that the saints are receiving grace you know, continuously. You know, they cannot even dare to, you know, challenge the pastor, right? But it can happen without grace, you know. So I say to you that, you know, please don't trust in the saints you know, themselves. You know, what you have to, you know, put trust to is that it is the grace of God for them. So I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. So. He explains the, the attitude of Paul toward the gospel. So, the apostle Paul uh, had 
and devoted himself to uh, just for the sake of the gospel that you know what first describe you know, describe is natural for Paul like you know if pastor doesn't pray then he cannot you know say to uh, the saints to, uh, to pray you know if the pastor doesn't you know, devote themselves to God, you know, he cannot say to the saint that you should devote you know, yourself for God. So if the you know, pastor doesn't do, doesn't follow the model of Jesus, you know, when you say, you know, pray to your saint and then they will you know, speak to themselves that the pastor, you should pray first. You know. That is why in Romans 12, the, the the gift of leadership you know, should be always you know demonstrate with you know giving them a model you know, going before you know your saints that you can lead them you know, afterwards so you cannot take the ships you know, to the way that you know you haven't experienced before that's why you have to always experience something first that is uh, how you know, leaders should do for the saint so Paul says that you did me no wrong. So in a good relationship with Galatian people, you know, they never you know, rebelled against Paul. So 13, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. It seems that Paul has some illness. But you know the saints in Galatians, they didn't problematize the Paul's weakness. And in verse 14, Paul says that the illness of Paul was a trial to the people in Galatians. And in Second Corinthians, Paul you know described these weaknesses as kind of his stone. But you know, the fact that you know. The thing is that you know the, the people in Galatia they didn't you know disrespect you know Paul you know, for the illness. Rather, you know, they treated Paul with con you know you know they respect Paul and they receive Paul as kind of an angel. You know, with grace, you know, that should be a natural for the saint you know, to respect you. You know, for my case, you know, I don't treat you know, the saint in my church, but when they receive grace and when they you know, see the glory of God through me, they are thoroughly you know, obeying what I proclaim. And they can, they are willing to offer their life you know, according to you know, my you know, proclamation. And if I you know, ask you know, my saints whether they can die for me, and they always say amen. You know, although you know, I, I should check you know, later, you know, when it happens, you know, we'll see how they will you know, obey or not. Can you die for me? They all say amen. Because they receive grace you know, through me. They saw the glory of God through me. So that was, that used to be the relationship between Paul and the Galatians. So verse 15, where then is your presence of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. So the blessings of the people in Galatia is that they acknowledged Paul's leadership. 
and they obey what is proclaimed by Paul. That they loved Paul so much that they were able to tear out their eyes and give it to Paul. It is a kind of human affection. No. Yeah, Paul, what Paul is describing here is about the relationship of Paul you know, to the Galatians. That you know, it shows that you know they acknowledge Paul as the apostle of God, and they, they you know receive Paul as their spiritual father. That they you know take what Paul gives as life. So that is why all the things that Paul is giving out to the Galatians can be blessings of God. So in Romans 16, we can say, we can see uh, the followers of Paul, but all of them are you know, devoted for Paul's ministry. And some of them, they risk their life for a very trivial thing you know, for Paul. So like Epaphroditus, you know, <laughs> he was a leader of Colossian Church, but his duty was you know, you know, carrying in Paul's letters, and even in the midst of the illness, Epaphroditus, and he was able to, you know, risk, risk the, he risked his life for, you know, you know sending, you know, I mean, carrying uh, Paul's letter, though he was one of the great leaders. Why? Why is that? Because the followers of Paul, they saw the same glory that Paul have seen. It's not about human respect, but they knew that Paul is the servant of God for the age, for the glory of God, and they acknowledged the fact that God has chosen Paul, that he, they were able to serve Paul, that they could share their life with Paul as well. When the kingdom comes again, and the glory that Paul has received will be shared by in his followers not all together. So that is the blessings of Galatians. Then they have to, you know, manage that relationship with Paul. You know, they should have done that. So 16. Have I now become your enemies by telling you the truth? So the church in Galatia, they are you know, falling away that Paul is scolding them. Paul is sharing the truth, but you know, does it make you know, Paul as their enemy? So the first teachers, their zeal was not something very good. And that was the reason you know, to separate Paul you know, from Galatians. Why? Why is that? They try to corrupt the truth that Paul has preached. They try to nullify the cross of Jesus. That is why Paul had to, you know, cure this issue with his life. So, 18, it is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. If the Paul's opponent was able to, you know, strengthen the ground of Paul, the ground of the gospel that has been preached by Paul, you know, it's going to be, you know, still good. But that was not the true. So, 19. My dear children, 
for whom I'm again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is forming you. So what is painful is to pluck out you know, what is wrong, you know, not, you know, cre not creating something new. So, you know, of course, we can say that to establish the truth system in Galatia is not something very easy, but it is even harder for Paul you know, to eliminate all the spirit of the legalism from Galatians. It's even harder. Because you know, by the corrupted teachings, the image of Christ that has been implanted in the church in Galatia is being now corrupted. So um, the image, you know, is a chalem in uh, Hebrew language, and I have preached about the image of God in Second Corinthians. So I want you to refer to that sermon. So chalem in the Hebrew word means. You know, you know, image fundamentally, but you know, you know the word chalem you know, comes from, originates from, uh, to cut. So the human spirit is formed according to the image of God, right? But it's not that God, you know, made it, you know in a way of manufacturing, like in a factory, but it means that God has implanted his life you know, to human being, right? So like you, know, you implant your liver to someone who doesn't have healthy liver. So in the same way, you know, God has implanted his life to Adam. So in Malachi, you know, it is said that you know, God's spirit is abundant, which means that if he wanted, then he was able to make a lot of you know, human beings, human spirit. But you know, that's not what God has done, actually because the spirit is not something that can be made in the factory, but it's about you know, sharing, it's about implanting life. So in that sense, human is not just created or made. We can say that God gave birth to a human being. So why God you know, loves us so much? Of course, it's the grace of God, right? But, you know, you know that you know, all other creatures are created you know, with human beings. So, what I mean is that you know, among all creations, God has chosen human being and he blew his breath and then he told to them, okay, uh, from now on I will love you. No, that's not the story that is recorded in the Bible. Of course, he created all human beings, but he created our flesh. But in terms of our spirit, it's not something that is newly made, but it is kind of implantation. You know, it, you know, so the human spirit is something you know, cut out of the spirit of God, the life of God. So that is why you know, we are not you know, comparable to angels. That is why we are having the glory of the new covenant. That is why we are called the temple of God. This is beyond imagination, right? And he made you the heir of the kingdom. 
right? And this amazing spirit of God is now living in you. Why? Why did God love love us so much? Because, you know, fundamentally speaking, because you are the image of God, which means that you share you know, the life of God, you know, with yourself. So, you know, the difference between us, we and Jesus, you know, it's known because, you know, in terms of scale, we have the same scale with Jesus, but the only difference is that he is self-sufficient, self-sufficient, Why? whereas we are dependent upon him. So this is the only difference between I and Jesus, we and Jesus. So please don't, you know, uh, doubt this amazing love of God, but why? What's the reason that God has loved us so much? Because we shared the life with God, right? Because we are the image of God. We are the Chalem, right? We share the image of God. We share the spirit of God. So that is why the Bible doesn't use the, the word air to angels, and he doesn't order angels to cease glory either. But God orders you to see the glory of you know, the light that knows about the glory of God. So you are you know, allowed to see the glory from His face. As far as I know, it is something you know, amazing. So don't doubt the fact that you share this amazing life with God. That is why you are called as the image of God. But the legalism and the syncretism, it distorts the image of God. It ruins the image of God. So that's why we, we say that the spirit of legalism is so much dangerous. Please don't receive any pollution from the world because you are the temple of God. And 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says that those anyone who defiles the temple will be destroyed. And this describes the moment when the high priest in Old Testament times enters into the Holy of Holies. So once in a year, the high priest is entering into the Holy of Holies, but if he found sinful, he's going to die immediately. So you are the Holy of Holies. If you receive something you know, unholy into you, yourself, then your spirit will die. So what is important is to maintain holiness. So please maintain holiness by yourself. So please don't forget the fact that you are the temple of God. And actually this is the word of God that you know, made me turn upside down. So I received the fact that you know I am the temple of God, and after that, you know I you know felt some you know amazing symptom that all the filthy things you know came out of my body, and and the nicotine you know came out of my body through the the pores, and then. You know, that was when, you know, I firstly started to work in a certain company and after salvation and uh, my company you know, 
gave me a chance to go to hospital to diagnose my health. You know that if you smoked a long time, you know, though you, know, you may stop smoking, but the nicotine will remain in your lung and you will have the my body I received the Please, you know, remember, you know, how holy you are from God's point of view. So if you can, you know, keep yourself you know, in a holy way, then, you know, your pastoring job is then, you know, you know it's not going to be promoted any, any longer. And from you, oh, the glory of God you. That is why in every day, 2 a.m., I walk, I flow all the power and authority of Holy It's the most important power. I have to be always, and then I have to flow the each members of the church. So if you maintain holiness, you know, God is going to rule over your church as well. So let's continue. We are because I'm obsessed about you. So the thing is that the Galatians are now influenced by legalism. The law. Are you aware of what the world? The what is so for it is written that Abraham had one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. So the freedom, the word freedom now appears. So that's the last part that we have to check, you know, you know today. So Hagar is uh, the servant, and she used to be a servant actually, and Sarah is termed as the free woman. So these two women are compared to each other. Verse 23, his son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but by his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. So promise is connected to freedom. And the flesh is about being a servant, a slave. So the fact that your flesh is still alive is that means that you are alive to the law and you are alive to sin, that you are still under the power of sin. So what I mean is that the law itself is not problematic, but when you receive the law through the flesh, you know, the good function of the law will not be operative any longer. So that is why by the flesh you should live as a slave to sin. 
And Romans 6 says that you know, the, all the depth of your flesh is now you know, you know, paid, but you know, so we can say that we don't have any you know, depth to the flesh, you know, saying that, okay, I'm a father, that I have to support my family, I have a past, I'm a pastor, you know, I have to you know, preach. No, all of them are the burdens of flesh. You know, we are not indebted to the flesh any longer because Jesus had paid all the price and cost that we are no longer indebted, that that truth will make your life lighter and lighter, light, light like a feather. So you have the promise that you can go in front of, come into, in front of the throne of grace. So I receive grace and righteousness that I'm allowed to you know, come before the throne of grace, but I cannot still be sure about going there. It's because your burdens of flesh is too heavy to you. Because you believe that you are still indebted, that you know, your spirit is too heavy that you can you know, be lifted up to the, the throne of grace despite the fact that you receive grace. So that's why you have to keep proclaiming the fact that you are not indebted to the flesh, that you are continuing to live by you know, the Spirit. So, which means that you are living by the promise and it will lead you to freedom. So when your flesh is alive, you will be a servant to sin. But you know, when you are led by the promise that you, know, you will be free. So what is freedom then? So let's say you know, I have a paper, a piece of paper here. So this paper. So I will you know, fly this paper. Is it free? Is paper free? No, the paper is not free. The freedom means that no, I can send this paper to wherever I want to send. So that is freedom, the meaning of freedom. So no, you, what you intended will be operative 100% accurate according to your intention. So that is the freedom that I'm mentioning. So in order that I can send this piece of paper to Sreljio, you know, how should I do? No, it cannot go. It cannot go in this way. So I have to you know, stick the paper into the Bible. That and I will you know, send this paper to Sergio. So that is how freedom is working. So the Bible says that the truth will make you free, set you free. So what does it mean? It is like you know, when a fish is in the water, it can go everywhere it wants to go. In the same way, the fact that the truth will make you free means that when you are ruled over by the word of God, then you can go everywhere the world wants you, know, you to go. So there is freedom. So in Ezekiel 47, 
and you know his keel, you know he measures you know four times you know the depth of water. So the first stage is you know about the depth of ankle, and it also describes the depth of your spirituality according to the emptiness of yourself. So. Your freedom is as much as the depth of then you are you know walking you know on the water you know with the depth of the water that is about you know the ankle. So maybe you will be you know free you know in amount of in as 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 depth of is so you have resistance, right? So and then the water comes to the depths of uh, me, and I, I feel some, you know, uncomfortableness. But am I free? No, my upper body cannot follow. And then, you know, the water goes to the level of your waist, and then you, know, you feel much, you know, resistance. And then you know, the water goes up to as high as your, you know, the height of your head. And then, you know, my body, you know, should go according to the flow of the water. And then, if you go against the flow of the water, you'll be drowned, right? You understand the picture, and this is about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you will be led, you know, by the Holy Spirit thoroughly. So you will be working with the Holy Spirit. You will be led by the Holy Spirit, and you will keep in step with the Holy Spirit. That is the state of freedom. So you can move according to the will of God. You will not rebel against, you will not resist the flow of God. So when what is the time that you know when when you feel the perfect freedom is when you are filled with the word of God and at the same time you when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, that is something that you, know, you can term as perfect freedom. So I will be dealing with this later. But freedom course means that uh, means the state that you are you know free from the slavery right but he gave you redemption that you are free from the slavery but now you are free you know he used to be a slave but now he is not just a free person, but he became a king. From slave to the king, that he the, the royal son. So the freedom means that, according to the Bible, and you have the power to obey the will of God. So the people of God cannot you know, go against the will of God, go against the will of the Holy Spirit. You cannot go against the word of God, right? So that is a state that you are filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the word of God. And then in that state of freedom, you know, the royal authority is coming from you. It's not just a free person, but you are a free person who can use the royal authority.
But the reason that you cannot experience the royal authority in your ministry is simply because you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not because you are not filled with the Word of God, because you are not ruled over the Holy Spirit. But if not, if you don't resist that, you know, it's natural for you to enjoy uh, the freedom that is using the royal authority of God. So when you empty yourself continuously, you will find that you know, God's mind overlaps with your mind 100%. So God, through me, you know, He is proclaiming the proclamation of faith. You know, that is what I you know, experienced uh, in Honduras last time. So, uh, you know, I, I, in the conference, during the conference, you know, told you know, to the person um, that you know, there's a lady whose name is Michelle. Of course, it can be done you know, by the, the, the gift of the knowledge the, no, the world of knowledge, but you know, since you know, like you know, God you know has spoken you know, that fact you know, to me. But you know, that time was a little bit different because you know it's not by the world of knowledge, but you know, I just you know proclaimed you know with faith that Lord, please bring a lady named Michelle to the conference. So, you know, I found later that Michelle is not someone who wanted to participate in the conference, but he, she was a daughter of a catering person. So, this is about the royal authority. God, you know, answers to my requirement, to the requirement of faith of me. And Peter, you know, told to Jesus, told Jesus, you know, that, you know, he is willing to you know, die with Jesus. But, you know, Jesus, you know, you know prophesied that, you know, Peter, you will deny me three times before you know, a rooster, you know, Christ. But the thing is that in Jerusalem, you know, you know a, a certain you know, rooster you know, cried, you know, you know, before, you know, Peter's three times of denial. So he, the, the rooster cried in this way. come from? Where did the root come from? It's the answer of Jesus' prayer. So what I mean is that God has put the rooster in Jerusalem, right? This is the use of the royal you know, authority that God will never ignore your proclamation. Maybe sometimes God will walk according to a proclamation or you, know, you will you know, walk according to God's proclamation. And if you are living with the royal authority, there's no fundamental difference between these two you know, cases. So God will not deny your you know, requirement that he will listen to your prayer and he will answer to your official requirement. That is the result of being free. Freedom doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want to do, but the state of freedom is that you don't have any will to go against the will of God. That you can freely use the royal authority. 
by yourself. So this is you called as free person. So when you are received as a children of God, no, He also gives you the freedom. So when the freedom is used in the Bible, it is usually accompanied by uh, uh, some you know special word like you know glory. So that's why Romans eight you know, says you know the freedom of glory. So I can say that the taste of glory is freedom. So glory applies to the appearance of king, right? So when the royal authority reveals, and then it's natural that you know, there will be glory. So when the shines of glory comes, you know, the freedom is going to be a result. In the book of Ephesians, it says the abundance of glory. And in Colossians, the power of glory. So these three things are the taste of glory. So freedom is kind of, you know, the shining of the glory of God. So a Roman emperor, let's say I'm a Roman emperor, and he is a slave, and the, the emperor touches the slave. So how he will be? He will be free from the slavery. That is how, you know, the things were going in the ancient Rome. So if if the, the emperor touches someone, you know, touches a slave, you know, he's not going to be a slave any longer. So when you are touched by God, and then you your life will not be you know, bound to the slavery that you know, the spiritual authority will be you know, coming out of you. So you have the glory, the glory of the gospel, the glory of the Holy Spirit. And that is from 2 Corinthians 3, 18. So when you do ministry, so let's say you do ministry for someone ill, and then he is touched by the glory that you know, that ill person can be free from the illness. That is you know, something that you are experiencing even at this moment. So the bleeding person, you know, she touches Jesus with faith. And Jesus you know, told her that, you know, who did touch me? And the disciple answered, we cannot know who touched you among these many people. But Jesus answered that, no, no. The power came out of me. What, is, what kind of power it is? It's a glory. It's a power of glory that healed the lady. So please know that you, know, you have the glory of God in you. The reason that it's not manifested from you is that, you know, it's because, because, you know, you are still having spiritual bondages. So when I appear in my church, some sensitive minister and some sensitive sisters, they are trembling. Why? Why is that? Because through me, the glory of God is manifested. The royal authority is manifested through me. And through the glory from me, you know, there will be freedom of glory. And this is not restricted to only me. You are the temple of God. And you have the glory, you have the gospel, you have the spirit in you. So I just touch. And then he will be free. So believe. 
the freedom, the Bible says, it's not just the freedom of slavery. So you have to be filled with the, the, the royal authority and filled with the Holy Spirit that you will ever experience, everyday experience the, the, the glory. And um, I, I know an American pastor, and he met a shaman you know, in Japan. And the shaman you know, told him you know, that you know, where this shine of the glory comes, and the shaman you know, saw the glory coming out from the pastor. But is it something that the pastor can have only? No. If the children of God is filled with the word, filled with the Holy Spirit, the same glory will be manifest through you. So because of the glory comes from me, that that's coming from me, the shamans cannot ignore you. And the witches will be even doing the same thing, you know, wondering where this glory comes from. Or they will run away, run away from you. Because of the glory, right? Believe that the glory is now shining from you. So let's continue. So we uh, spoke about freedom. The freedom is connected to the promise. So 23, 24. These things are being taken figuratively. The woman represents two covenant. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and correspond to the present city of Jerusalem. And from a Jewish point of view, Paul is now saying something miserable, right? And she depicts Jerusalem is something, some is a place which is very dark. And but the same thing appears in Hebrews 12, said their children, you know, is under slavery because the religion is the flesh and the law comes from the flesh so all are under the slavery of sin but 26 the Jerusalem that is above is free and this is this points to the new Jerusalem the new Jerusalem in heaven in Hebrews 12 and God the judges of all creatures and all righteous people and then the myriads of angels and the true church and the Jesus a mediator of the new covenant and then the speaking blood all these members you know with the true church this consists of the, the, the heavenly council and this is the depiction of New Jerusalem so that is why upon the true church, kingdom of God will cover the church. So if someone asks the number of the saint of your church, so 
how should you answer? And I used to say this, say this way, answer this way. And actually, I cannot count the exact number. But when you ask whom I have in my church, I can say that I have Paul, Paul and Peter and Moses. All of them are the members of my church. So that's why Hebrews 12, 1 says that and you are now having a race of faith but the righteous they will be cheering you for the race and they are cheering you supporting you why why is that and Hebrews 39 and 50 says that our perfection will be their perfection why? Why is that? Because the true church shares the same life with the heavenly council. Like my, if, if my arm is healthy and then my body will be healthy as well. If the church of God perfects itself, and it means that the heavenly council will be perfected as well. That's why the righteous will cheer you up as well. So I'm preaching on Galatians. So who will, who do you think will cheer us up? Paul is going to be a cheerleader before all the righteous people and with the myriads of angels. And let's, let's cheer up. And Pastor Kim, you know, let Pastor Kim go. You know, you can preach very well. And all the pastors here, you know, they should be filled with the glory of God. You know, they are cheering you up, right? And it's, it's real that the righteous, they are cheering you up because we are sharing the same life. So we are not no lonely, never. Do you like football, right? And you know, like you know, in Latin America, they idol, idol. You know, their idol is football, right? So I once asked you know, the pastors in Paraguay, you know, whether how they will you know react if they have the final of World Cup and you know, in Sunday worship time, and then the the pastors answer, we will be moving the the Sunday worship time if my national team football team is going up to the finals of World Cup. Now, are you going to do the same thing as the pastors in Paraguay? No, you know, in terms of football game, why they want to have their game in home ground? Because they have the cheer team. But you know that the cheers from, you know, the righteous will be influential. You know, please believe the fact that you know, the, the righteous will will be cheering you up because your perfection will be theirs. So that is why they are all together in the cheering you up. So who is our com comforter? Jesus is our comforter. And then the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And who does recognize us? It is by God. So who is protecting you? And the myriads of angels so who are cheering you up? All the righteous from the moment of creation. 
all are cheering you up that there's no reason for her not to be perfected. So you are now having this you know, interest in yourself because you are the heir of God. Because you are the heir of God. So are you excited by this? You should have, you know, cried like a rooster. So do that, do that by yourself. Follow me, you have to do that. If you don't obey, no. do you know what kind of things will happen to you? You should you know, imitate me next time. So verse 26, but the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. And this stands for the, the philosophy of the early church. And they say that, they used to say that if God is your father and your mother is the church, that is the theology of the early church. As I told you before, the true church is one of the members of the heavenly council. So 27. So it's from Isaiah 54, verse 1. And this is a prophecy about the, the, the next generation of the Gentiles. So not by the, the human genealogy, but it is about the promise of God. It is about the genealogy of faith. It's about living by the Spirit. It's about freedom. All these are one. So 28. Now you brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. So promise is a decree of God. It's a power of divine nature. So you are the ones who live according to the decrees of God. So that's why we have to be filled with the word of God every day. So it's kind of confirmation that you are the beings of the new covenant. 29. At the time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. And it's something that happened in history, but it also points to our spiritual condition. So the desire of the flesh, it goes against the spirit in you, and the spirit in you will go against your flesh. And that is Galatians 5.16. So the old person and new person in you is now in the battle to each other. So one party should be defeated. 
until the end, they don't stop fighting against each other. So the world against the old person. So the new person and old person, they are in the battle continuously. The desire of the flesh cannot be united with the flesh, the spirit. They don't compromise. Let's say you persuade the old person. Is it possible? No, it's not possible. Let's say I have a small room here. I put a big tiger in the room. And I gave you a small knife. And I put you in the room together with the tiger. So how you will do? How will you do? Are you going to bow before the tiger? You're saying to the tiger that, oh, Mr. Tiger, please eat me well. No, you will not do like that. You will try to kill the tiger. No, I'm not going to die. No, no I, will, I will kill you, the tiger. No, I, I'm not going to be no, eaten by you. So that is how the battle between the old person and new person is going. That is the battle. You have to carry on no, no, continuously. These two parties are not compromising to each other. So it sounds very logical and it sounds natural, but when you live by the flesh, you will forget the fact that you, know, you are in the battle now and then you'll be under the dominion of the flesh. They say that the ratio between the new person and the old person is five to five. And then you will experience the most severe warfare. That is the state of Paul in Romans 7. He is you know, saying to me, to himself, that, oh, alas, I'm, I'm wretched. You now you also need to go through this severe spiritual warfare in order that you can go into the glorification of God. Without this battle, it's not possible for you to experience the royal authority that comes from you, that coming out of you. That is why you have to you know, eliminate the desire of the flesh. Inasmuch as you die to yourself, you can enjoy the authority of God that your mind will be the same as the mind of God. So, 30. But what does scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son. So Genesis 22 refers to the rest stage of Abraham's faith. And how did it start? How did it begin? And 22 Genesis 22 shows that you know, Abraham no, no, he kicked out Hagar and Ishmael first before entering into the rest of faith. But do you think that it's easy, it was easy for Abraham to do so? No. Abraham was disconnected to God for 13 years after you know, he had Ishmael. Because of Ishmael, you know, Abraham rejoiced so much that he forgot about God for 13 years. But God has ordered Abraham to disperse them. But 
Abraham obeyed and then he was able to enter into the rest stage of faith, which means that you also need to cut out of you something, the flesh. So please don't ignore your fleshly desire. So let's say that your desire, fleshly desire about using computer or using mobile phone, you have to destroy, break your company. If, if your fleshly desire is about watching the football game, then you have to, you know, you know break your TV, break off your TV. You have to destroy your TV without leaving the fleshly desire as it were you will not be able to enter into glorification with leaving them in yourself so I know that some of you are still watching the football game through TV and watching the movie and using computer for games you, know, you cannot you know talk about you know glorification 100% of our saints they don't watch TV and our young others cannot have the mobile phone until they became 20 even though you know, they are still influenced by the worldly tendency so ignoring these elements you will not be able to you will never be able to enter into glorification so that's why Paul is you know, talking about cutting so God ordered him to get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. So when the new person and old person are fighting each other and then the, when new person is not overcoming the old person, you will never be able to enjoy the glorification of the kingdom of God and at the same time, we will never be able to uh, go up to the kingdom of God gloriously. That's why we have to get rid of our fleshly desire, the, the old person. We have to make it you know, powerless. So, therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but, uh, but of the free woman. So righteousness, faith, promise, the spirit, and freedom. All are in one flow, right? And these are the elements working in you. That the conclusion is that in the five one is for freedom that free sent from then and do not let yourself be bound against burdened against again by a yoke of slavery so freedom is the most precious thing that we should keep and we should enjoy freedom as well so please send the send from and never again you know carrying the burdens of your slavery that you should not live as a slave you know, to sin, slave to the flesh, you know, carrying out, carrying, uh, carrying the burdens of the flesh. So that is about the perfect freedom. From you, the glory of the freedom, the freedom of the glory is now you know, coming out. So this is the end.
And I'm, I'm sorry that I haven't finished chapter 5 and 6, but I'm not still sure whether there will be a further chance or not. But you can still listen to the sermons on Galatians from our website and in English version. So we will finish here. And I was so happy with you. And I'm very thankful to Pastor Francisco and his staff to serve for this conference. So let's give him, give them you know, thankfulness, our thankfulness. But the thing that you should know is that, and you know that to prepare the conference is not something very easy. Never. They have to deal with 400 people, all of you. It's not easy. And your, their effort will not be um, imaginable if you have, have done that you know, before. Now, I know their effort because, you know, I've done that, you know, in Korea a lot of times that you know, Michaela and the other young others, they, they worked so much. No, so please pray for those young others. So let's you know, express our gratitude toward them. And then the worship team from Honduras, they gave us a lot of grace. So thank you. And uh, you know, they, they have not, you know, done so much but the teams from Korea no thank you and then plus and even he didn't imitate to sound the roost the cry of the rooster but our translator Sergio he's done so many things for us right and did I did I walk a lot or not yeah I'm I'm grateful to you, but the one who walks so much for us is God. So let's glorify Him. Let's give our gratitude to God. So I will see you in Israel if you come. If not, I will see you in Honduras next year, maybe in other places as well. And then, I, as I told you, now we'll end this conference with the impartation prayer. So please desire, especially for pastor's wife, desire the strong anointing of prophet. And I will impart all the power of fire and anointing as well. And I bless you. So please have a seat. And I'm going to you know, lay my hands on you for the impartation prayer and all conference will be ended. So before that, I will pray, O oh, living God. We thank you for the biggest grace that you have given to us. And But we know that now we are having a start, new start. 
let your servant you know, express glory in their church that they will be able to please you and bless all the hands that serve for this conference like you want. Now please let the glorious church established in Latin America. Let your church be holy and grow more and more. Especially blessed all the churches in Panama who serve this church, serve this conference, that they will be entire and perfect. And establish Zoe ministry in Panama that you know I can come to this country that I can have the conference that will establish remnants in every country now the grace of Jesus who is the head of church and the holy love of Father God and the work of the Holy Spirit will be upon those who came to this conference and their church and especially the hands that serve for this conference and upon the remnants, upon the Panama churches and upon the Zoemin churches in the world from now on forevermore. Amen. So, and desire for the impartation, and I will lay my hands on you.